I'll, uh, I'll, I'll cue you for slides. So today's uh, sermon is a little bit about Proverbs, mostly about wisdom generally, uh, and I'm uh, plagiarizing again. Uh, this time it's going to come from this book, yes, Getting Involved with God uh, by Ellen Davis. Uh, I highly recommend it. There are a lot of short chapters based on sermons she's given, essays she's written, um, but it's like they're moving and beautiful and like pragmatic, like the nuts and bolts of being Christian. And so she writes about Proverbs, which I did not know this. I don't know if you knew this, uh, but it almost didn't make its way into the canon. Uh, so lots of the rabbis making these decisions about the Hebrew Bible felt, why would we include a book so mundane? It's like little sayings about like, you know, how to live. We don't need that, right? There's nothing grand here. God's not parting oceans. It's just uh, common sense, you know? Fortunately for all of us, they thought better, and they did include it. Uh, and it's become one of the most read books of the Bible, most quoted. Many of you have uh, magnets on your fridge. That stuff's all from Proverbs, right? Very short, clever things about how to live. So Proverbs is part of wisdom literature, and something that I appreciate very much about the wisdom literature of the Bible is that it is not at all interested in wisdom as defined by lots of knowledge or information. It is interested in wisdom as a way of living well. It's wisdom always connected with the good. And what does that mean and what does that look like? It's not about being fancy pants. It's not about degrees. It's not about uh, being the smartest person at a party. Wisdom is about learning how to live the good life. And so it's lots of questions like, how should I spend my money? And how do I be a good spouse? And what does a good friendship look like? It's like very, very pragmatic and tangible in its advice. And so Proverbs 1, uh, what Jeanette read, if you look at it right, they provide insightful instruction, which is righteous, just, and full of integrity. And this is an example of what I'm talking about. Wisdom in Scripture is not for its own sake. It's not to be lorded over. It's for the sake, in this case, of righteousness and justice and integrity. That's why it matters. That's why we should care about it. That's what we should learn from it and take from it. What does it look like to be wise? I'm going to suggest that there's no way I could give you one sentence or two sentences. I'm going to talk about the gateway. Like, what do we think the gateway is, right? And here is this really weird verse at the end. We, uh, weird's not the right word. I am, un I am made uncomfortable by it. Some of you might take heart in it. I am made uncomfortable. So I'm, the next thing is your turn. So I'm going to ask you a question. Go, go back one, one more. Sorry about that, Jen. I'm going to read the last verse. Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord, right? So wisdom's about the good life. It's about, in this case, thinking about righteousness or justice or, you know, uh, integrity. And it starts with the fear of the Lord. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. But when I hear things like fear of the Lord, I don't conjure up great images. I that This feels negative to me, uh, like I'm scared of God. So this is the congregational question. So you did, you did it right. Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. What do you think this means? 
And I'm not going to give you just like one right answer. I'll tell you what I think. I'm going to share, but I want to hear what you think. What does that mean? Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Yeah, Kathy. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's not about punishment, and that's what we tend to correlate it with here in our earthly experience is fear and to be punished or disciplined. Yeah, so if we think of fear, for those online, Kathy shared right, as maybe like an, a disposition or an attitude of awe, of deep respect, of treating God with a kind of reverence, uh, faithfulness to God as, as important, like uh, it matters but maybe not thinking of it like fear as in I'm scared of God. Uh, so maybe there's a way of thinking about fear differently. I think that, you know, that seems like a legitimate, or a legitimate option, right? Yeah, Chris. Yeah. So if you think of it like this is God's story that I am trying to participate in and live into, then the beginning of wisdom might be acknowledging whose story it is. And these these could complement each other, right? These these responses. Yeah, Brian. Mm. Having a curiosity mm. and like the, the answer is not necessarily going to come from me. I'm not going to be like the big uh, owner and, and victor in the story. It's like curiosity. Yeah. So if I'm if I decenter myself and and the other God or 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 some other be, take center stage, then there's something about that posture that leads to wisdom. It's not about me, and it's not about me being seen as wise or smart. Wisdom might, in fact, be the opposite, centering someone else in terms of, like, curiosity. Yeah. Yeah, Steph. Yeah, yeah. Me in the ocean would be right. There's uh, and there's a lot of things like beauty, awe. But you, but if I don't respect it, it will hurt me. Uh, and I, I don't want to make a one-to-one comparison like God's waiting to zap me down. But that there is something about respecting the ocean, not turning your back on it, right? 
uh, you learn the hard way, boom, and like the wave hits you and you're not paying attention. That does shape how I think and how I behave. Like there's a humility in respecting its uh, largeness. Um, this is good. I mean, I, I'm, I love it. The congregation says way better stuff than what I, right? <laughs> I should do this first when I'm prepping. Yeah, Susie. So, the way I was raised was, you know, with the Methodist Church Baptist Church, Yeah. Well, sure. Uh, so I'm going to say, I'll say something that uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to speak for the people in the crowd who are listening to our comments that I, all, I happen to love, right? And saying, okay, okay, but you should be scared of God, especially if like you're not living right or you're not thinking right. Like if you're, like there, fear is a real thing. God is real. God, and that's where I'm, I do feel uncomfortable, but I want to at least be open to that perspective that says maybe we need to have a little bit more fear, right? Uh, I could imagine uh, people looking at the changes that occur societally, the way there's a lack of respect or fear of one's teacher, a lack of respect or fear for one's parent. Look at how, look at how they talk to teachers and look at how they talk to their parents. Like we, we don't have it. There's something about respect and a little bit of fear that go hand in hand with recognizing that, there, that you, you need to submit to something above yourself. I'm guessing some people in the room were thinking something like that. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, Jackie. Yes, whatever we mean by fear, it can't be the kind that paralyzes us. It can't be the kind that makes it impossible for us to approach God. It can't be the kind that allows God's grace to flood. It can't. And this is what's hard, right? So like in 1 John, perfect love drives out all fear. And the first thing angels say to people are like, don't be afraid. If God is love and love drives out fear, then how am I supposed to fear God? Okay, that's a logical conundrum. Good luck with it, by the way. Uh, there's like nothing's been written about that at all. So we, we've, we've figured that out. I mean, th there is just an inherent tension here that if, I, if, if I'm supposed to love God and if I'm in the presence of love, then I'm not going to be afraid. I, I recognize and feel God's love. And yet, uh, there are passages like this. This is clear, certainly not the only one that talk about the fear of the Lord. This has pushed theologians to say things like respect, awe, wonder, submission, but not the kind of fear that where I'm scared. Let me submit to you uh, one way to think about it. I think all of these are legitimate, right? They can be helpful, this multifaceted approach. One way to think of it is I'm going to be afraid. I'm afraid a lot. 
I'm afraid of all kinds of things. And when I say fear, I don't necessarily mean like, I mean like I have insecurities and I'm worried about what people think of me. I have um, anxiety, uh, performance. Uh, I am what I produce. I am the things that I do. I, those are all forms of fear, right? Fear of not having enough money when I retire. Fear of violence in my community. Fear that interface proposal will be denied. Fear of, I've got all kinds of things. And I want to think about this passage as saying, Joe, you're afraid of all the wrong things. All of your anxieties and all of your insecurities and all of your fears are so much about you and how people view you and what you think is what's going to be right and best. And is there a way again to like let go of that and to have like to fear the right kinds of things? Like there are things to fear. Um, and I think they probably have things to do about a loss of righteousness and justice and integrity. But I'm too caught up being afraid of my own stuff, centering myself in the story, to actually uh, fear the important stuff. So I want to think about wisdom one, and I'm just giving you one little facet of it. One way to think about wisdom, one facet of it is a prioritizing of our values, a reprioritizing of what we care about, what we think is important, what we worship. Wise people have the right priorities, care about the right things in the right amount, fear the right things in the right amount. That's what wisdom helps with. All right, so I'm going to give a, a chart here with some orthos, not orthopedics. Orthodoxy, orthopraxy, right? So uh, orthodoxy, orthopraxy, orthocardia. Uh, these are fun words. They mean simple things. Orthodoxy is like right belief. Do we have the right doctrines? Do we believe the right things about Jesus? Do we not make sure we don't commit the modal fallacy of the Trinity or whatever, right? Like we want to make sure we don't commit heresies and we have the right beliefs. This is, this is a Christian concern. And then you have orthopraxy, which is right practice. Are we doing the right things? Are we engaging in the right actions, right? And then you have the often neglected orthocardia, having the right heart, the right emotional dispositions, the right desires, the right concerns. And I'm going to submit to you, I'm going to make the argument that the beginning of wisdom is not about right belief, and it's not about right practice. It starts with right desire. It starts with what we love and what we fear. It starts with that emotional part of ourselves. And can we get that right? And I'm going to be honest with you. I actually feel more confident about what the right heart looks like than I do about right beliefs about God. Like, I feel really confident that right heart is something like humility and not centering myself and love of other and neighbor and compassion, like I feel confident. But when it's like, the doctrine of God, hmm, when God's all, can, is God so powerful he can make a rock so big he couldn't move it or something? Like, I don't know, I don't know. Three in one, I don't know. You know, like 100% human, 100% divine, 200%. It, I'm, it just doesn't make any sense, math, right? It's just, and so I don't know, I don't know. What's heaven like? What's the flora and fauna of heaven? I don't know, I don't know. Will there be my, my, my dog be there? I hope, I, but I, Beliefs are hard. We're talking about a transcendent and infinite God. 
so much more than we could ever conceive with our little brains. I have less confident that we're right in our beliefs. I feel more confident about what my heart should look like. That's good news, maybe, because that's where I think we should start. So I'm going to give some examples. I'll give an example from my marriage. You guys like these, I think. Maybe you don't. Okay, so I'm going to give you 22-year-old Joe, and you're going to be surprised that he ever was able to get married. 22-year-old Joe, I'm dating Kelly, and I was... <laughs> I was real sensitive. If you asked me at the time if I was sensitive, I would say no, but uh, I could never let anything go. I would never let anything pass. I had to engage every conflict, right? Even a perception that like, I was lacking in some way meant I had to defend myself. But what I wanted to do in each of those moments was to be right. I wanted to get the information on the, just so it's on the record. I can't tell you how many times I said that. I, she would just roll her eyes if she was here. Like she just had to deal with me so that somehow in the end, even if I did something wrong, it was because of a misunderstanding or because I misunderstood or my intent was right, even though what I said was wrong. And I, but I wanted to win. I wanted to be it known that I was right even when I was wrong. None of you are like this, I'm guessing, in the room. No one does this at all. But I, I never saw that as an insecurity in me. I, never, I just saw it as like, well, we should just, I mean, if we're going to argue, we should at least be accurate. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, I'm just, I, just be grateful that somehow someone decided to love me, right, through this. And th so this is, this is orthodoxy. I, I, I care that, we, that, that, that somehow I'm represented accurately, that there's never a misrepresentation of what I did or said, that we've got the whole story. Um, and somehow I moved from there to orthopraxy, and it was something like, I recognize that this is important to you, and so because you care about it, I won't do that anymore. This is real. This is real. This is Joe. Like, I would say those words. Like, I don't really get that, but I can see it's important to you, so I just won't do that anymore. So, like, I'll avoid hurting you because, uh, I don't know, you're crazy and I just don't want to hurt you. I mean, this is what I, that's not true. That's what I was communicating to her, right? So I'm going to do the right thing so that I don't have to apologize. That's really, I hate apologizing, right? So I didn't want to... And uh, I'll just make sure that that's how it goes, that I don't, I don't make a misstep. But it's crazy how much progress our marriage made when I shifted from having to win an argument, okay, I, want, I don't have to win, to I'll just do the stuff that won't make you upset, to I really see you. I understand how you feel that way. That makes sense to me, and I don't want you to feel that way. Like, I care that, about how you feel. And it's more than what I do or don't do. And it's more than being right. There's like a deep sense of she, she wants me to see her and her pain or whatever that she's going through and to identify with it in some way at a heart level. And when I can do that, you can just feel the tension leave her body. You can feel her... Her hard, like she's got to come at me with an argument because lawyer Joe's, so she's like, here's my case, lawyer Joe. Like she, you can feel her coming at me like that. And then if I just have soft eyes and I say, I understand, like, oh, I'm sorry I hurt you. She just softens. It's like she melts. 
That's wisdom. That's what wisdom looks like. How to really engage another person with integrity and kindness and righteousness. How do I engage with the right heart? That's what matters. That's what matters in the church. I'm just going to tell you. We can disagree all we want about doctrine of God or the uh, like inspiration of Scripture or how to interpret this passage from Jesus or what does the fear of the Lord mean, and we can disagree. We can do that all we want. But what I care about is when I ask that question, we get five different answers, and we're all okay with each other because we're humble enough to know we don't have all the answers. Isn't that beautiful? That's right heart. We're open-minded. We listen to each other. We engage one another. That's what wisdom looks like. It means I'm open-minded. It means I ask a lot of questions. It means I say I don't know when I don't know. I'm going to brag on my daughter. She's not here. She's only nine. And she's smarter than me. Uh, no, she's wiser than me already. So she was engaged by a friend who asked her, and I don't even know how this, how do nine-year-olds engage in these conversations on the playground or whatever, about the issue of transgender individuals and what Nina thought about it. And Nina was like, uh, what are you, what are you like? and we've talked about it. I mean, she has some understanding of the term and whatever, but she's kind of curious. And then she's like, well, it's wrong, right? Like, you, like this person, this fellow classmate wanted to like engage like, like there's something wrong. And my daughter responded by saying, I don't know what I think about that yet. I'm only nine. <laughs> and she said, and you only think what you think because your parents told you. And I was like, there we go. She's listening to her mom. Because uh, I would have been like, no, let me give you four reasons. No. Uh, so, but that, that, why can't we just do that? Why can't we just say, I don't know. I haven't thought that much about it. I'm not an expert in that. I don't, we, we're, we're supposed to have an opinion about everything. We're supposed to argue to get right about it. Rather than uh, what, she, what she displayed was a kind of humility that leads to wisdom. Because now she's going to come home and she's going to ask a lot of questions. She's going to listen to people. She's going to engage. I don't know. I only think what my parents think. I'm nine. But you know what happens to nine-year-olds? They become 10, and 10 becomes 11. And then pretty soon you're 30. And you basically just believe how you were raised, and the culture you were part of, and the religion you were raised in. You just inherit these things. Do we ever really stop and actually think and recognize that that's probably true and engage in like open-minded, critical inquiry on ourselves and others? We know less than we think. The issue that uh, I spent a lot of time on this week, we've talked about it, the interfaith sanctuary stuff. It's funny because some of the discussion is about right belief. So it's like facts and information, square footage and fence height and uh, data about crime statistics or whatever. And like, can we figure that? Can we just get the right information? Will that solve the problem? And as I listen, I think it, that's not going to solve it. Like, you, I feel inundated, like flooded with information, but I don't feel like that gives me access to know what to do or right practice what are the best practices is that best practice is that it's hard to know like you can kind of infer anecdotally from like other cities or other places and you try to figure that out but it's I don't know if 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 interface should go here or not I don't know if that will be better or not maybe there's a location somewhere else that would be a deal it's hard to know what I'm certain of though is that I have to approach this subject with kindness and humility and love that I am not here to vilify the neighbors and make them out to be evil, that I am not here to call names or to be cruel, 
that I am here to listen and ask questions and be humble. And I know people experiencing homelessness need love. I know that, and that's what I want. I don't know how to do that best, and I don't know how to interpret all the information. But what's the most disconcerting is when we attack when we put a picture on our Facebook page that just says we support Interface Sanctuary and we literally had to stop the comments on Facebook because they were so mean. That's what is disconcerting. And it goes both ways. The bullets fire on both directions. So I'm going to challenge you. Wisdom entails that we become soft and kind and loving, that we center others and we get curious and we ask questions and the way we approach one another in relationships and in friendships and in this place will have more a bearing on whether people encounter God here than on the beliefs we hold. Amen. I'm convinced of that. Amen. Wow. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that...